addition to um, the meeting announcement we announced this for the last month. This is actually going to be a month probably about a third vote. All the land district will hold their final church conference for this affiliation from the United Methodist Church on that's next Sunday, next Sunday at 11 a.m. we are following our worship service and our district superintendent Dan Johnson will be conducting
day as we gather together to worship and commemorate your rising from the dead, going to the cross and rising from the dead for us. We just praise you, Lord, and thank you for all you've done for us. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
and they had been moved out of place. And this is no minor detail. Carving stones were big, they were hundreds or thousands of pounds, and they were set at an incline to prevent people from coming and robbing the tombs. And Jesus, of course, was in Joseph's, the from Arimathea, a rich man's tomb, so it was set with stuff in it. Mary visited the tomb early in the evening, but it was still bright enough for her to notice that the covering stone had been moved. So she ran to Simon, Peter, and John and told them of her discovery about the stone. They raced, they raced, they both raced to the, uh, to the tomb. And while he was writing his gospel, John's humility didn't allow him to name himself. He only mentioned himself as the other disciple. However, his humility did not prevent him from telling everybody in the Bible that he won the race to the tomb. After racing the tomb, they found the stone in the tomb just as Mary described. They looked into the tomb, but Simon Peter did not enter. John didn't have that reluctance, so he entered the tomb and noticed the burial clothes that were around Jesus neatly rolled up and set on the spot where the body was. But now after John went in, Simon Peter saw and he finally went into the tomb. Like I said, being a rich man's tomb, they're, they're able to both stand up and observe the contents. And they saw the grave clothes neatly folded up and set into place right where Jesus' body was. If they had been removed by robbers or thieves, they would have been told, torn up and then cut because those those cloths, the, the barrel shroud, they were soaked in oil. And so if something, somebody had come in and stolen the body, it absolutely would have been a mess in there. Furthermore, the headpiece, the shroud, was rolled up and set in place separate from the, the body roll, just like it had been when Jesus was laid on the, on the stone. Now this further evidence that the Lord's divine exit from the tomb was indeed divine. It wasn't something on and still the body. Because first of all, like I said, they would have had to rip and tear the, the cut the cloth apart because oil soaked. And would have then folded it neatly and set it back on the on the stone where the body lay? I don't think so. It wasn't a robbery. Because he had totally, truly resurrected and left the tomb. The Lord had given audible hints to the disciples. Regarding his resurrection, he said, basically told them he was going to rise up again and leave the tomb. But they didn't catch on to, the, to what he was in there or told them. So John believed right then and there, he knew what happened. Jesus had resurrected and left the tomb. Also, they didn't realize that. The scripture had said this was going to happen. Not only had Jesus told them, which went over their heads, but they didn't catch the scripture mentioned as well. The Lord is risen. Right, the Lord is risen indeed. That's right. So thank you very much, and you all have a very joyful and blessed Easter holiday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. You're thank you for what we heard at Mike's. That's great. <laughs> I can call her. I've spent most of my ministry without mics, but I don't want to blow off the ears of those who, by way of television or YouTube.
glorious day as we commemorate the, the final day of that tremendous indictment of Christ. They tried to throw all that earth could throw against him, scribes and the Pharisees, the demons, principalities and powers and forces came against that, tried to put them all men to the cross, and they did they did crucify him. But there's one thing that differentiates Christianity from all the other religions, Mohammedism, Muslims. We serve not only a great teacher and a great preacher, but we serve one that was, was willing to die, spent three days on the tomb, and rose again. Many years ago, a very prominent, wealthy, well-educated French, French diplomat decided that Christianity was, was no longer for, for him. You and I are living in a day and an age of similar feelings. And this great diplomat saw the church as an institution on decline. And he wanted to disaffiliate himself from it. And he criticized the churchgoers, he criticized the clergy for the lack of passion and lack of zeal. And he thought that all churchgoers were hypocrites. They talked to talk, but they didn't walk the walk. And he questioned Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, and so on. And one day, he made his feelings known to his friend, Talrandi. And this famous French statesman stated that, what if I should decide to start a new religion? He said, how would you suggest that I begin to start a new, new religion, a new movement? To which Talrandi replied, I would recommend I would recommend my friend that you get yourself nailed to a cross. You get yourself nailed to a cross and then you die, but be sure to rise again on the third day. And in one of those family circus cartoons that we used to read in our daily papers, there was the illustration and many of our cartoonists and our, our editors were theologians. They went to Bible colleges and they went to graduate schools of theology, and particularly the editor family circle, told about two little children. They discovered their Easter baskets and and they were busy. They were busy enjoying the contents and the children asked, who colored all these eggs? One child asked them, and the answer was the Easter bunny. Well, who gave us these, these jelly beans? The other said, it's the Easter bunny. And how about all those chocolate rabbits? And I remember at a young age, the excitement of those rabbits being hollow and turned into solid. And we all were granted more sh sugar. The many times they'd come in the pulpit and there'd be a little chocolate Easter bunny and I was challenged by whomever put it in the pulpit to finish it before the sermon was done. The, the chocolate bunny, or the chocolate rabbit. It was always the answer to Easter Bunny. And later that um, Easter morning in church, in church, they heard the preacher say, then they came to the tomb 
they saw that the stone had been rolled away. Now, who could have done that? To which the same two little children cried out and used the Easter Bunny. Easter Bunny, nice try, right? People are still crying. In all forms of government, in all forms of society, they're trying to not take Christ in the culture, but they're bringing the, the culture into the church. Nice try, little ones, and even big ones, but we have it on good authority that someone else, someone else was responsible. And on that day of Pentecost, as we look into the future, and as we look back to the past, in the celebration of Pentecost, no less authority than the Apostle Peter gave his testimony. Listen to these words. Acts chapter 2 will be dealing with that in, in the Sundays to come, but it's a resurrection text for you and I today and in many churches today. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24 and verse 32. People of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a person attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, say it with me, this Jesus delivered out according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless ones, but God, God raised him up, up, having loosed the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death itself. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24 and 32. Many of probably nearly 600 people witnessed this, were present on that day. Resurrection. Christ Jesus is risen. God raised him up with Peter, led by the disciples and many disciples through the years with the New Testament authors, with the members of the early church, with all the followers of Christ down through the ages, with all the angels in heaven and, and all the saints who have gone before us, we sing hallelujah, hallelujah. We cry out Emmanuel, God is with us. Through the death, the burial, the resurrection, miracle, the ultimate act of love, God has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. Love conquers all. Love conquers all, even death in God, in Christ is alive today. Because God loves us so much, we live in a time of joyous expectation, a time for taking the, the first faltering steps towards our eternal fulfillment. A time for catching our first glimpses of divine love through our love, our love for one another. We immerse ourselves in the mystery of God's love to the extent that we enrich our time through our love for one another. Easter brings us the good news of, of Christ's glorious resurrection and that it means to our deepest hopes and our deepest expectations and it also brings us a mandate. Not long ago a television producer 
went out on the streets of a particularly well-educated area among a number of campuses, educated. And they asked what a mandate was, and what would you say by way of television, and by way of radio and YouTube and Facebook and congregations that meet here, J-Op and gathering, all that. What is your mandate this Easter morning? I'd like to summarize and say that there's five that we have in our limited time together that I emphasize. One of our mandates is to care about the human problems, to care about the human problems that most people ignore. Then secondly, it's to speak up, to speak up for the downtrodden and, and the powerless to, to speak for themselves. And thirdly, it's to, to call for forgiveness when, when others call for blood, when they yoke culture. And it's fourthly to share our resources without asking what's in it for us. And then fifthly, to be loyal, loyal to the rule of God when others have sold out to the idols of money and, and possessions. Try, if you may, to remember at least one of those mandates and to carry it out this coming season. In a very modern-day parable about the risen Christ, a, a Christian, a well-known Christian psychologist, gives us this beautiful insight into the Easter mandate. And he tells his television and radio audience that Jesus went walking in Rome one day, and the story begins, you couldn't see Jesus, of course, because he had given up making appearances on earth until his final appearance, his final return, his second coming. And on that walk, Jesus saw many people and many things, as one does on such walks if one is spiritually attentive and serious. And that night, his father, asked him, did you enjoy your walk today, my son? And Jesus answered, oh yes, Papa. Oh yes, Abba Father, dear Daddy. Did you see anything interesting, his father asked? Oh yes, Abba Father, dear Daddy. Jesus answered, three times, three times. The first time was just off St. Peter's Square. There I saw this ancient rabbi talking and walking about with his hands clasped behind his back, muttering, muttering to himself. He was in such anguish, anguish for his people. And the second time was by, by the Spanish steps. There was, there was a mere child, and this mere child was picking pockets, picking pockets, and doing so quite successfully at picking pockets. A mere child in, embarked on it a life crime. And then the third time I saw a woman with a child, a child under her arm, a lonely woman struggling to care for her children without the help of their father who had abandoned them. And Jesus' father said, and his father said with a sigh, when will you ever learn, my sons and daughters? Did I not send you to earth, my only son, to tell them about my goodness and my love. Yes, Abba Father, yes, dear Daddy, yes, Papa. And I did, but I also listened. And they told me about their pain, their pain, their pain, their pain. Is not their pain of their own choosing, my son? 
Father asked. And then Jesus said, pain. Pain, whatever, whatever and wherever it comes from, is pain. Pain, Papa. Abba, Father, your daddy. And sternly now, his father said, my son, you let your human heart carry you away. Yes, Papa, I did. Jesus whispered. Then his father smiled and reached out and embraced his son as he embraces you and I. Happy that he sent his son. Happy that he sent his son when walking on earth in Rome. You were called, I am called from pulpit and pew from church to come and learn, to go and serve. As many of us know through personal experience and evidence we should by now, there is no greater pain than that which is caused by the loss, the loss of a loved one. Our loved ones become indescribably precious to us. We, we live in intimate association with our loved ones. We become so close to our mothers, and our, our fathers, our husbands, our, our wives, our sons, our daughters, our brothers and our sisters, that we literally become part of each other's life. And then it happens, the light of life goes out in our beloved, she or he, it happens, they're gone, and we're left stunned, we're, we're left heartbroken, caves, deads, beloved members, the Drews, Lane Randalls, the Delbers. The light of light goes out, and the beloved, they're gone from this earth, and we're left stunned, we're left heartbroken. There's this tremendous void, this tremendous emptiness, and emptiness, a terrible, terrifying pain of emptiness, and it, it overwhelms us. Life is so ahead of us as we think of our roots and our loved ones. We, we hear our own voice penetrating the darkness in our own souls. And the one whom we dearly love, they are dead, they are gone from earth. It is such a cold, hopeless thing for us to realize and to consider this Sunday. Then out of the depths, the depths of our despair, like music from a mighty organ comes that marvelous, mind-blowing declaration from the Lord. And he says, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And then we know today that our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ is still walking in Rome and walking the streets of our communities by us, whether it be London or Calcutta or Moscow or Tampere or New York City, our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ is still walking all over this world. And today, today our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ has come walking into our own communities and our own marriages and our own singleness of life. The Lord Jesus Christ is here with us now, listening to us. We are to call to tell him about our pain, not grieving for us, but within us. And as he reaches out to embrace us, we are called to reach out and embrace others. We can feel the healing, the comforting, the reassuring resurrection power of God as it penetrates the darkness of our souls. Can't tell you how many little children would run up to our little Christ the Lord has risen cross and embrace it. And why is it that we as adults scorn the cross?
Father, this morning. Father, as we bow in prayer and each of us reach out to embrace, we can feel the healing, comforting, reassuring, resurrection power of God as it penetrates the darkness, the darknesses of our souls, the blindnesses of our lives, transforming that darkness into light and despair into hope. And we know that we have made the journey from the excruciating pain of Good Friday, of Good Friday, that final day of extortion and indictment, to the miraculous healing of Easter Sunday. Jesus being spit upon, being scourged, being humiliated, naked, hung upon the cross, being thrust in the side of the sword. We know that death does not have the last word. We know that God is love and love conquers death. We know the victory has been won and that all is well, that truly God made us to know God, to love God and to serve God in this world and, and to be happy with God in the next because Christ is risen. Our pain is not in vain. Our death is not in vain. The stone has been taken away. The Lord has redeemed us. The tomb is empty. Hallelujah. We shall live. With every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio and YouTube and YouTube and all forms of communication. Living the Christian life is difficult, but becoming a Christian is easy. We need to understand the ABCs of salvation that A, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B, we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then C, we need to confess Him as our Lord and Savior. This may be your first time commitment or rededication, but let us pray together. Dear Jesus, we have sinned and fallen short of your glory. The things that we've done and left undone. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Come into our hearts and lives. Empower us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Join me in the offering prayer that's printed in our bulletins. We will live forevermore. Let us be Mighty God of resurrection and redemption, we offer our gifts alongside our hallelujahs. We long for Easter to fill us and to soak into our bones like those who were confronted in a graveyard by angels announcing, He is not here, He is risen. May we run from here not walk, because we in every corner of the world so desperately need to hear the news the angels share. Before we speak a word, may others see in our faces that the world has been turned upside down. You win, death loses. In the name of the risen Christ we pray. Amen. Our offer to hurry him is crown him with many crowns one of the favorites of Joyce Peters who will be celebrating her birthday heaven this year. Purple hymnals number 327 in memory of Peters.
generous God as we remember Jesus' temptations in the wilderness. We acknowledge the temptation that soothes so many of us to measure our worth, our power, and our security by what we have. As we offer these gifts to you this morning, we pray that you might deliver us from the temptation of building our lives around what belongs to us rather than what you have graciously given to us. Continually lead us to the conviction that what matters is that we belong to you. We pray in the name of our Savior and Redeemer. Amen. Any announcements, Chris? Just a quick announcement. There is a trustee meeting this coming Wednesday at 9 a.m. I wanted to mention that today we celebrate Easter with resurrection, but we also have Passover in the dome. Christ is a Passover lamb without blemish, and he rose again on the third day. So he partook in the Passover because he is the Lamb of God, the Lamb without blemish, and he rose on the third day. Say it with me. He lives. He lives. He lives. 